Welcome to the Berry Libraries podcast. The following podcast was recorded live on National Libraries Day 2016 at Whitefield Library and Adult Learning Centre. Connect with us online at www.berry.gov.uk forward slash libraries or connect with us on social media. Please note the following views belong to the members of the reading group as individuals and do not represent Berry Council or Berry Libraries. Sit back, relax and enjoy our Berry Libraries podcast. Right, so we're here at Whitefield Library on National Libraries Day 2016 just to have a chat about our favourite books. So would you like to start with yours? Yeah, in 2006 I read just a lightweight book and it's often stuck in my mind. It was actually called The Looking Glass and it was by Michelle Roberts. Just a little book, never heard of her before. And it took place in a seaside town in Normandy in 1912. And Genevieve was a maid uh, to a widowed bar owner, Madame Patin. And she cooked and she cleaned and gardened and served the customers together. And as she got older, she grew so beautiful. And in this little tiny town, there was so much jealousy because in the bar, the men used to chat to her and the owner of the bar was getting older and didn't like it. But what impressed me all these years of this book, I could describe this little cafe because the words she'd used where every little thing was, the shelf, the seats were, and I was there. And that was it. And since then, it's always stuck in. And after that, I read another similar type thing called Witness. This was in 2014. And it was by Kath Stancliffe. And actually, it was witnessing to a murder, a brutal murder, in Manchester. And it was only four people, and it was the four witnesses. One was a midwife, one was a white van driver, one was an unmarried girl, and I can't off the top of my head forget the other. But how it all came together, and it was on an estate. We all know a little estate, don't we? And it was so realistic, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. And that's the sort of book that caught my attention. Probably never read those authors' books again, but that was it. When I was asked for a favourite book, I thought it was very difficult because I'd been reading for over 70 years. And um, then I thought, well, I think my criteria will be um, programmes that I have seen recently on television and articles that I've read about encouraging young people to read. And as reading has been one of the most important things in my life... I felt I should try and choose a book that I thought would appeal to a wide range of people and that was comparatively easy to read. And so I chose a book that was written in, well, published in 1949, and I read when I was a teenager, and it's called I Capture the Castle. It's by Dodie Smith. And uh, in it, uh, it's written in the first person by Cassandra, who's 17, and she wants to be a writer. And she lives in a dilapidated castle with her family, who are very poor. There's her sister, uh, her stepmother, Topaz, and her father, who is suffering from writer's block. And 
so it's quite a small world in 1949. They're quite isolated and poor, but it's an easy to read. The characters are all interesting, and I think it's a charming and funny book. And I gave it to my granddaughter to read, and she enjoyed it, and I can still, all these years later, still enjoy it myself. Well, <clears throat> I don't have a particularly favourite book. I'd like to say that it, the book, one of the books that got me uh, into reading was one my brother brought in, brought in when he was about 14. That's a long, long time ago. I can't tell you the author or the title, but basically it was set in an Italian village with a communist mayor fighting... Uh, having a row with the Catholic priest. And the antics they, they, pair, they both get up to is so hilarious. Unfortunately, it's so long ago, I can't remember the individual uh, instance. But I believe they did make a film, one of the stories, with Anthony Quinn in as the mayor. But apart from that, I can't tell you anything but I do like a variation of books from, uh, this might sound daft coming from a man, romance right up to the war stories. I like all of that, and I love westerns, but you can't buy, get them here in this library, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Well, it looks like we might have an answer for you. Is it Don Camillo? Is it Don Camillo? The what? Little World of Don Camillo? It could, oh, yeah, that's it, that's it. The yeah. Catholic priest and they, they did yes. make a film of it. I'm not sure that there wasn't a French film of it as well. Oh, I don't know, but I, I, that was one of the earliest books I can remember reading. Yes. And chuckling. And I, I, I still uh, get the odd amusing book, it comedy was book. very famous at the time. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yes. yes. I couldn't think of her name. Because I, I, I think that's it. I was 14. Yes. A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think so. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have to write that down and see if we've got a copy that you can borrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can read it. Such a long time ago. We've got it on tape so I can read it. We'll, yeah, we'll have a look. Well. Yeah. All fixed up here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank I you. Think, I think it's that one, but it's it sounds. Yeah, it, 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 it you sounds. You get things it, confused. It yeah. You're right. I think you're right. Well, as you were saying earlier, it's really difficult to just pick one book. I mean, I had a quick look at my bookshelves this morning, and I picked up four. Um, but that conversation has just reminded me of some, a similar conversation I had about ten years ago when somebody was saying, oh, I read this book, and I can't remember what it was called or who it was by, and she started describing it, and it was The Talking Parcel by Gerald Durrell. I don't know if you've ever read it, but that is one of my favourite books. It's, he was a naturalist uh, who wrote very, very funny stories about his expeditions to get particular animals and birds for his zoo in Jersey, because he'd always collected animals since he was a young boy. But the uh, talking parcel is a bit different. It's the story of four children... Um, who go on a magical journey 
that starts with a train and they end up in this really bizarre land full of mythical creatures like cockatrices and cork trees where you just go to a tree and pick off your favourite size cork that you need for the bottle that you've got at the time and and they've got um, moon cows which are like giant slugs which have some sort of taps on their shells that you can get milk and maybe something else out of I can't remember now but the trail that they leave behind on the floor you can pick it up and use it to make things it's just such an incredible story it's really really good and because it's him he's got such a great touch ah that's one of my favourite books Yes, so I've had the similar experience. Um, I vaguely remember that. So that's that's true. Um, he had a zoo in Jersey. He did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought of my family and other animals. Yes, so did I. Which is lovely. Yeah. So many to choose from with him. Yes. <laughs> yes. We don't really want these, can we? <laughs> I don't really have a favourite book. I, I, some books make an impression on me and some don't and the one that's made an impression recently is a book about Wally Simpson by Rebecca Dean Wally Simpson I can remember but I can't remember all I can remember is the media and the things they said about her she was divorced and whatever but at the end of this book I really felt sorry for her and I thought she'd had a raw deal it didn't in the media it didn't mention that her first husband beaten nearly to death and it really made me think of royalty and and you know how how the media really misinforms people about people's lives and I did enjoy it but it did make a big impression on me I like books um, that have that are set in say a different country or where so you get you know, apart from the actual story, you're getting a lot of background information. And um, a, a couple of the books that I've really enjoyed were by Khalid Hussein, uh, who wrote The Kite Runner, and then 100,000 Princes, I think it's called, and set in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, I found them so... It, it, the way that they portrayed the Taliban, you know, these awful people. And, of course, it's so sort of topical anyway, you know, this sort of thing. And I thought they were absolutely brilliant books, the whole background and the way women, particularly the second one, um, The Hundred Thousand Princes, about the life of women in, in, in that country. Uh, so I thoroughly enjoyed those. More recently, this wasn't so much a, a background uh, bit, but... It's recently been made into a film, but the actual book, Room, I found that absolutely fascinating because it's about a, a, a woman who was kidnapped when she was 19, raped, and she had a little boy, and he kept her in prison for seven years. Now, there's been a lot of these going around over the last few years. It's not, it, it is a novel, but I think it's written by Emma Donoghue, and she's obviously researched into it. But what I found fascinating about that was the psychological side of it, because this little boy was brought up in a, in a small room where there was just a kitchen, a bathtub, and a, a wardrobe and a bed. And the guy that imprisoned them used to come every night, and the little boy would have to sleep in the wardrobe. And it, it's, it's just his um, relationship with his mother, and also 
his idea of reality. Um, you know, it, it, they, they get away in the end. But it, it, it really fascinated me, the psychological side of it, the, that, you know, you know the, the fact that he, he was never outside these, these sort of four walls. And that was him. He called it room, not even the room, it was room. And he got to see a little bit of TV. And it was just absolutely fascinating. So I like those kind of books that are just a bit different, you know, they're, you know, they're with a different type of background. I was so depressed and upset. Yeah. I've never been able to read The Kite Runner. And the man who's who's so awful to those women, I mean, he's, he's not even an extremist, is he? He's no. just an ordinary man who exploits them. And that poor little girl sort of serving the men their food and then sent up to her room where she sits. She's nothing to read or anything. She's just like some poor little servant. I found it terribly upsetting. And, and I think it's influenced me very much on on immigration issues mm. um, you know because you, you catch little bits in the paper of of girls who well there was one quite recently a, a dumb girl who was used as a, a sex object and a, a slave mm. by people yes, yes. and I found it terribly depressing would I find uh, the other one. The kite runner. Would I find that as depressing? It, no, it's it is different. The kite runner. Um, it, it you know, but it's it's a it's a very it's a really good story, and it's the parallel lives of of the the, the main character, and the the young um, Muslim uh, lad who was his friend from when they were little boys, and it's it's really 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 interesting. But I mean. The, the, like the, I can't remember in which of the books was it the kite runner or the other one where they d described this sort of football pitch and a couple who supposedly in their eyes committed adultery were put into a pit and stoned to death I mean it was mm -hmm. barbaric but I mean you know what's new these days you know with what's going on you know that's uh, this was before um, IS um, you know came to, to, to light but and this was just like the Taliban, mm. and you just think how totally barbaric can can it be? This is this is quite. There was a case only in the papers only a couple of years ago of of a young girl. I think she was about fourteen or fifteen, and she'd had sexual relations with her uncle, and they were going to stone her to death. And I don't know whether public opinion stopped it, but you never heard of anything happening mm. to the man. No. And you, you mm. must have thought, in that case, it must have been an older man preying on a young girl. Yeah, of course. And that's the background. I mean, chopping people's hands off and things like that. Yeah. I mean, that is the background of people coming to this country, which I find disturbing. I'm sure, I mean, lots of people are not like that. But it's there, isn't it? It's the custom, though, isn't it? It's women are there just for... to do things. Yes. They're not as here... On equal levels. No. And it'll take, I mean, how long has it taken us to get like this? Yes. Mm. But there's some <coughs> excellent books on these sort of subjects, like you've just named them, The Kite Runner, where yes. you've got rich boy, poor boy, living together in the same mm. house, mm -hmm. and how they treat, and how he treats his friend, and remorse, yes. and... Mm. It pulls on you, but it's yes, wonderful. It yes, you laugh, yes. you cry, yes. you can feel the dust and the dirt. Yes. Yeah. Well, I like books where like go for it. them. <laughs> Brick Lane's yes. another yes. one. Yes. Monica, yes, yes, you know, yes, yes, it's it's opening your door and looking on the, the world. Yes, yes. 
isn't it? But I think it, it is, in terms of women as well, it sounds as if I'm a tremendous woman's slipper <laughs> not really. I draw for that. But what you were saying about the book about Wallace Simpson is interesting because the press liked to pre present, or they did particularly mm. in those days, a woman was either a saint or a whore, wasn't she? Yeah. And mm. that's, what, that's made what, what made the news. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. She ended up married and happy. But to get to there, there was a lot of things happening. Mm. It's woman as an object, isn't and, it? You know, um, her upbringing work was, wasn't very good. But again, it was against the wealthy people to the poor, you know, the poorer people. Mm. Um, and it really doesn't stress that. Her husband really did, her first husband really, really beat her up. He nearly was he, killed her. Was he an alcoholic? No, he was... Um, yeah, he was an alcoholic, and, and they, were, they lived on an air base. He was a sergeant, and he couldn't get any further in, in the Air Force because of his drinking. The, his colleagues covered it up. Um, but in the end, he did really... He did some horrible things to it. And, and like you say about these other people, the world... I don't know whether it's a good thing you, you get to know about what's going on in the world and all the horrible things, because it makes you appreciate... <clears throat> your own family and things mm. but it is the media it's the media that plants all these ideas in your head we have to learn how to pick out the good and the bad when I was I say a teenager I thought it was so romantic that the, the king would give up his throne um, you know for, for a woman I, 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 was, I thought it was great now my mother um, this was in Aberdeen um, she had a different slant in this because um, the king, which Edward the what seventh was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, was supposed to be opening the new hospital, which had been uh, it was from public funds. You know, the, the 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 people of Aberdeen basically paid for the new royal infirmary, and the king was supposed to be opening it, and he pulled out at the last minute. And it was said that it was because he was off with Wallace Simpson, so somewhere. And and of course the the people were absolutely really really annoyed. So that was her slant in it. But you know when you hear uh, about you know the kind of life she's had, it 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 does show show you sometimes. That it just it just mm. printed her as a yeah an, a socialite that was yes. looking for further up the ladder mm. Mm. and it wasn't they wanted to blame the woman didn't they yeah and, not him. and he was yeah. a woman i think he was a little waster really he was, yeah. Yeah. He was a woman yes. Yes. He was an absolute and, and and i think we were well, well rid of him really yeah. but, but the, they had to blame her didn't they yeah. really that's what i'm saying well, they were yes. yeah. blamed on her and i mean no doubt she yeah. Since uh, the war has ended, he's died. There's a lot of things come out about him, oh, uh, about how it was a good thing he yes. didn't become king, yes. because he yes. was very fond of the Nazis. Yes. I mean, there's uh, been a lot still not said. Mm -hmm. The
Did oh, she? Yes. Mm. Did she? Yes. She was quite in the 1930s. Yes. I think she moved in that set because she she yeah. wrote a famous play, didn't she? Yeah, she Something wrote about um, the Dalmatians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Dodie yes. Smith. Yes, I think she. Was I don't a, think it's white for you. <laughs> I think she was a member of the Smart Set. Noel Coward and yeah. people like that in yeah. the nineteen thirties. Yes. You know all those smart people yeah. who who were sort of uh, writing plays and acting and yeah. and things like that. And I think she was a member of that set as yeah. well. And she buzzed off to America and then she came back. You know she was. Yeah, her father actually was a bank manager in Whitefield. I think it's great. I've tried to find out because I, one of the books said the name of the house, like Inglenook or something. And whenever I'm going round Whitefield looking at the older houses, I look on the stump oh, and I've you? still not found it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and he was a bank manager in Whitefield. I'm thinking, oh, and if the, the Nat West or She was enormously successful. Yeah, wasn't she, she was. Yeah, very diverse in her writing. Mm. It's interesting when you were talking about like local places because yeah. when I was asked to think about like one of my favourite books I think like us all find it really difficult to just narrow it down to one um, and a book that I read in 2015 um, I think that was massively significant for me mm-hmm. in that I kind of had got to the stage where I was bored of reading the same things mm-hmm. um, I think you find your niche don't you and you home in on it because yeah. we're, we're all creatures of habit aren't we yeah. we don't want to um, experience new mm-hmm. things and um, it's the same thing with, you know, food, isn't it? You, I always look at the Chinese menu and yet I order the same dishes every time, but I still want to see the menu um, just in case, you know, I feel risky, which has never happened, but might do. Um, and I think it's the same with books. But one of my friends um, wrote a book, mm-hmm. uh, well, he wrote a trilogy of books. And um, he's a lad who, he's from a slightly different background from me. He's uh, from a very wealthy background, but he grew up in Bolton, mm-hmm. like I have done. And I really found, you know, he gave me these books at football training one night and I thought, like, very obliged to read them. And so there was no kind of escape of, well, this isn't usually the kind of thing I would read. Had to read it because he's my friend. And uh, I'd escaped it long enough, as one of my other friends had said, because he had read them all a year ago. So uh, I started to read this book and it's called The Baby and the Brandy. And um, it's a strange book in that it's... um, the kind of the title of the book doesn't really seem to have any significance until right at the end and you kind of think I'm I'm reading this and I'm enjoying it but there's lots of pieces that don't seem to fit together and I think one of the favorite my favorite things about it is that it's set in Manchester and so the the, the description is so vivid but it and I think it's so accurate and obviously living very close to Manchester and spending a lot of time in Manchester you can kind of I half wondered, was it cheating? Because is it just triggering my imagination of, you know, I've walked down these streets a thousand times. But um, I actually spoke to one of my friends who lives in London. I gave him the copy of the book and he's never been down these streets. And he said how good the description was. So that was really helpful. And it's, it's, it's full of mystery, this book. It starts uh, with a man who's escaped from strange ways. We don't know why. Um, we don't actually find out in the first book at all why. It's almost like you just have to jump in and join in with that but um, it really looks at these themes it surrounds this character called Benjamin Bracken and the trilogy is all about Benjamin Bracken and um, the thing with Benjamin Bracken is we realise we start to learn bits about him and he's an ex-army officer Um, but for some reason he's been disgraced and it kind of explores this idea of where the line is between um, criminals and those that protect us 
And as, as a person, I'm quite fascinated by that line. I, a lot of the things I watch and read can be about that, about how, you know, what separates somebody who is completely evil and those kind of geniuses who um, are brilliant detectives and how close that is and, you know, having to think like those people that do horrendous things and actually how that's, you know, very difficult um, to do. And it's actually, I personally found it a fantastic book, partly because of the local side to it but I just found it was one of the it was a book that I couldn't put down it was so different in some ways to what I'd read and um, I was quite shocked because obviously I'm in the privileged position of being able to talk to the guy who wrote it so um, I met with my friend Robert and uh, talked about it and he said I read it all in a night I just couldn't put it down which wasn't great because I was working the next day and um, yeah it got very late but it was something that I just couldn't put down physically couldn't do it and uh, when I spoke to him he was telling me about how a lot of what he spoke about, uh, it seemed a bit far-fetched, some of it. It was about uh, the gang culture in Worsley. And obviously, um, Worsley's quite a well-to-do place in my mind, so I, I couldn't really understand this. But it was actually, he pulled out all these newspaper articles, and it was all true. And he based all of these gangs on real events that had happened. And the moment, it seemed quite far-fetched, but because you had this backdrop of... Uh, Manchester and the description was so vivid I see I bought into it in a way that I wouldn't usually I'm not usually into things that seem far-fetched I think if something suddenly does something and I think oh that's ridiculous it's lost me completely lost me I can't cope with it but this book you know dived into this world that I didn't understand and uh, I found it really fascinating and yeah I, I asked him for the next book the next week and I, <laughs> I read that very quickly as well uh, and that was based in London and goes around the Savoy and places like that, which are places I hadn't been, but then I went to visit them. And his description is absolutely excellent. And I think for a first effort, I mean, he's been published because of it, but he, he's done an excellent job. It's, it's the first book he's ever written, and uh, it's, it's fantastic. So, have yeah. you had the third one? Have you read um, the third one? He has sent me an electronic copy of it because, uh, because he's now been published. He's had to destroy... He, published the books himself in the beginning and he, he's now been bought by well he's been signed by a publisher so he's had to get rid of all of his copies of the books because he's not allowed them anymore um, so he couldn't give me a print copy of it because it was his latest one and he'd only just finished it so he sent me an electronic version of it um, my problem is that I'm, I don't have the capacity to read it at the moment on, and I'm not a big fan of reading on screens so I feel like I should read it, but I might wait for the print to arrive. <laughs> What's his full name? Uh, so he's, he's called Robert Parker as well, but it's not to be confused with the Robert Parker. Um, but yeah, no, he's called Robert Parker, and he's written these three books. And uh, in fact, last was it last year or the year before, he was the uh, fifth most downloaded... His Baby and the Brandy was the fifth most downloaded um, thriller on Amazon, on the Kindle store. So he's obviously... He just put it out there for free, and people have... Gone crazy for it. Tremendously hard though to get three books. Yeah, he um he did his knee playing football and he had to have an operation. He couldn't walk for six months, so he's got two young children. But he couldn't really. He was limited to what he could do with them, so he yes. just spent his time writing. I see. And uh, he said that it had been something that he'd been inspired by years ago. Yes. And so he'd been writing things down throughout the last couple of years, and then he just put it all together when he'd done his his knee. And so, yeah. I really enjoyed it here. Yeah, Do you fantastic. think he's got other books in him? You know. I think that's the killer, isn't it? He's had this character, he's followed it through, but 
I have not read the final book yet, but I believe that is the final book. That will be the end of, mm, yes. whether it's the end of Benjamin Bracken, but it's certainly the end of the, the trilogy. Yes. I think that's the difficulty then, isn't it? To recreate, to adapt again. He's certainly got the skills. It's yes. whether he's got the inspiration, I guess, totally to do that. Yeah. Mm. I was just reading, I was get the, this is why I was a bit late. I always have to go up and get the Saturday Telegraph. And in the review there, they have articles about writers. I have no talent myself writing anything imaginative, so I'm always interested. Mm. And there was a man the other week, I forget his name now, but I was going to look for him on the shelves, and he apparently been writing for quite a long time, and he's suddenly got this character, and he's a detective in Brighton. All right. And I can't think of his name, um, but apparently they've taken off. And uh, this happened after he'd been writing for quite a while. Mm. Uh, it was like you were saying, yeah. you know, sort of just getting that. And uh, that has made him very successful. Yeah. I think that's the difficulty, though, isn't it, then, to come back with something fresh. There's an anticipation, isn't there, then, and yes. an expectation. Yes. That you're going to be able to, you know, become like... Uh, Mr. Patterson and just churn out book yeah. after book yeah. after book. Yeah. Well, that's the trouble. You have too much competition by somebody who churns out. Yeah. But yes. they have the avid following. Yes. Mm. They like churned out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And to start, we had a, a young man here, another writer in Whitefield. We're brilliant, Whitefield. <laughs> and came in and gave a talk to the reading group. And I'm, I've just looked in my diary. It was in my other diary. Can't think of his name. And it took place in the old Yugoslav area, which he seems to have connections via his wife. It was intriguing, absolutely intriguing. Was it the road, was it the road to perdition? Yes, yes, something like that. Yes, brilliant. Yes. And when you were talking about the book, The Room, the author came and she spoke at Bury and we all went. Oh. And she signed copies. She lives in, came from Canada. But it That's was great. Irish Canadian, I think. Yeah, it was a really good evening. Ah, oh, yeah. I would have gone to that. Yeah. You know, you were saying about, um, you know, when somebody writes about, say, Manchester, and you, you, you know, because you, you, you know the area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they, I, I found a, a, an author, Stuart McBride, who's he's from Aberdeen, but his first book was called um, Cold Granite. And I thought, oh, I've got to read this because it was set in Aberdeen, and it was great because every every place he mentioned, I knew it. Yeah. And yeah. but the, what's frustrating is that he's actually because I've heard, I heard, he was on the radio the other day actually, uh, so he's written more books. Mm -hmm. But um, it it appears that the the only one that's come out on audio is Cold Granite, which is really annoying. It, it was why it was just the first one. I don't know, uh, and that's the, that's the problem sometimes. The the with the 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 audiobooks come out usually quite quite a bit after the the print books, but they don't all come on audio, you know. So it's really really annoying when that happens. So I mean, if you take the pal, I think it was Trollope. If you took the Palliser novels mm. and the the you know the ones about the clergy, reading. it's mm. it's a tremendous amount, yes, isn't okay. it? But generally speaking, it's quite a small percentage of books that are produced. Is it? Mm. Yeah, there's, there's obviously there's the downloadable ones now and the electronic ones, but um, actually on CD, which is... I was getting quite attracted to the idea of, of having one on when I was lying in bed before I went to sleep. I thought it would be rather nice to listen to someone oh, reading it. And the good thing about audiobooks is that you can actually 
um, apart from vacuuming, <laughs> it, <laughs> you can actually you can go around the house. You can go around the house do doing, going about. I do that all the time. You know, um, I'll move from one room to another, and I, I just uh, bring the, the the CD player or the um, Sovereign player, which does the pen drives. Mm-hmm. Just bring it round with me. So it, you know, it's it's great. You've always got it, and I'm I'm I've a terrible habit I do drop off to sleep but funny enough it's always quite e- at night time if you're listening to it but I'm always able to just go back a track at a time and very quickly I can always find I can almost put to the word where I've fallen asleep it's <laughs> funny that yeah do you have the daisy player because you, you have a knob on like that plays it for half an hour and then it turns itself off oh really I, yeah. I, that's a newer version I've got a, I have got a, a one of these players but mm. um uh, with, with the only problem be... is the the disc you get from the RNIB will not play on anything else, but you can play anything else on it. Yeah, on that's it. right. Yeah, yeah. MP3. But they do have a yeah. Because I keep it took me ages to find, to realise what it was. <laughs> well, I know we're talking about young people, and that, and that was sort of something I was thinking a lot about. I remember my nephew; he didn't read much, but his mother worked in the library and he listened to a talking book every night. Yeah. So it's not exactly well, reading, it's like but it's on the, the way, radio, isn't it? Yes. It's like listening to a play on the radio. Mm. They're so well read. They are. And, and they really are. And quite often they're, they're, they're well-known people that read them, you know, yes. actors or actresses, you know, and they are good. They have a good voice, yeah. you know, to do the oh, yeah. You got a good one, didn't you? When you could hear the traffic going by. Oh, that's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they, they was reading it and you could get trained and what's going at the back of it. I mean, there were, you know, uh, not, not the, the Calibre Learning Library, the, a lot of it was done by volunteers, but uh, no disrespect. But the, they're not, they weren't, generally speaking, as, as polished as the... Um, they didn't have the, the good studio ones. and the no. editing. How do you think the library's going to progress? You know, when you look back, I used to, when I, I was born in Whitefield and the library used to be opposite John Slattery's there's a row of big terraced houses the children's library was up the stairs and the adults was down and then of course we got to this and the books went now you have the reading books you have all these things I wonder what's, what's next it's very interesting yeah. isn't it well, we had um, at the Macula meeting yesterday we had Elizabeth Binns, which is your... Well, the head of library. libraries, yeah. And she was telling us about what happens in libraries now. It's not only your books, is it? It's, it's people coming in with disabilities and help. And she was actually telling us about one one library they've opened on, not Dickie Bird Estate, but it's a, a state that's near it. Hopping Yeah. Um, and she said they went for a meeting and they were rude really rude and said they didn't want anything but they still have the library but they do have advice people that and should the queue is that long well, it takes mean. all day so they're not only dealing in books mm. now and you're dealing mm-hmm. in lots you're of other things rates, you're getting your citizens mm. advice and yeah it's all under one roof i think the key with libraries though is the uh, the history of libraries mm. it was about equipping those that couldn't it was about giving a chance to those that were uneducated. Yeah. And part of that was about reading, obviously, which is, was a key for yeah. it. And because books were so expensive, 
But that's the heart, really, isn't it, that we want to surely that we would like to see with libraries to continue to give those a chance that, that don't that don't have a chance. But obviously, you know, books are going to But there's a big battle now, isn't there, that they don't children don't necessarily need to learn to read a book. They can go on computer they know the computers. It's like studying at school. They don't study like I used to study. They bring it up on a computer, take what they want out of it, and that's that subject finished. It's it's a different world altogether. It is, unfortunately. But um, I mean, one of the I just think that book groups are so good because they, it, as you somebody was saying before, you you end up with book and you think, oh, I wouldn't have picked that one, or <laughs> or and it's different. So you do read. It, it makes you read, or in our case, listen to um, books that you wouldn't otherwise have chosen. Yeah. And I think that's really good because yeah. you know it is this thing about your comfort zone. You know what yes. you like, and you think, oh no. Well, it's like your menu, like your menu yes. was saying. You know, he always goes back to what he's familiar with. But I'll tell you, I mean, she's a newcomer and she's fitted in absolutely brilliant because she's interested in books. We start off and somebody will say, oh, I thought it was absolutely rotten. rotten rubbish, <laughs> that was my first, the first person who spoke. Never read so much rubbish wrong. in my life. It's got five stars. <laughs> and you think, I miss that. <laughs> and it makes you look a bit yes. deeper into things. You know, and it widens your horizon. Yes. And I that's hate, what life is. I hate giving up on a book. Yeah. I'm very, very seldom, even if I don't, I'm not keen on it, I... I I can only, I think I could count the fingers of one hand when I've just thought, oh, I can't cope with this anymore. I, don't, I really, really don't like it. Because I always think you, you get something from it, even if it's not necessarily your cup of tea. And um, so I, very rarely do I give up on it. I agree with you. I, I, everybody kept saying how wonderful <laughs> Captain Carilli's violin was, or mandolin, or whatever it was. And eventually, my sister had given me a copy, and I read it, and I did stick it to the very end, and I thought, I've never read so much rubbish in my life. I hated it. Yeah. And, and I felt out of step with everybody else, <laughs> you know, but I, I really disliked it. I kept on going to the end. I was sort of glad I did. <laughs> well, it's like life. We don't all have to eat the same pudding, no, do we? No, but, no. you know, I don't eat puddings at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually the book that you start with thinking, oh, it's going to be boring. Yes. That you really get interested in and you learn something. Yeah. I think when you read a book, you learn something yeah. as you're going along, even though it doesn't apply to yeah. you, it, it sticks in your mind. I'm so heartened when I hear you speaking because you're a very young man and it's very nice, you know, that you're a reader. You're playing football as well. And and, and I think my youngest son is uh, 49 now, I think. But he's, he's the same. I mean, he's sports, but he was always a great reader. Mm. And I think it's very heartening to know that mm. young people still are like that. But if you trace it back, you know why he's a good reader. Because when he was little, before he went to sleep, you were always read. read well, I presume you were read to. <laughs> always, yes. always. Yes. My yes. family have done it with theirs and the next generation, and they're always reading. And yes. I mean, my granddaughter's 15 now, and up until about three, two, maybe two or three years ago, she just read everything that was going, and she was read to 
but now she doesn't read very much, but I think it's just the, the age she's at. And uh, yeah, I like to think that hopefully she'll come back to it because yeah, I think you do go through phases. I mean, I was an avid reader when I was a child. I used to get seven books um, out a week from the mobile library. And my mother was a great reader and she read to me. And then I, I read everything. Um, and then I think into my 20s or whatever, I didn't uh, stop reading. This is when I could see. Um, I, I just didn't seem to... Um, got out of the habit of reading and then you went to college and there was too much other stuff going on, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But what brought... They the downfall sometimes, <laughs> then, aren't they, when you're trying to get off? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there has been a survey, haven't there, about yeah. children and lads, boys usually stop reading they round are. about the age of 12. Yes, yes. And girls are 14. Yes. It's understandable because from the age of 13 to 17, it's very hard for growing up, whether you're a boy or a girl. You never forget. Mm. You come back to it. You know, when you go on a journey, you've always got a little book of some sort, haven't you? Especially when we go on holidays, we take some of the books we buy from here and leave them in the hotel. And, it, you know, you're passing it on. And sometimes your children aren't reading. I mean, my son is 43 now, but... When he was, what, nine or ten, he wanted this magazine, weekly magazine on rock and roll. And I never saw him read it. And I bought it for about 12 months. And I thought, I'm stopping this. I've never seen him read it. But you ask him any question on rock and roll. And he knew it all. And he had read it, but not in front of me. Yeah. I think the television in the bedroom is, is a thing. I don't have one. I think when children, particularly for children, if they go to bed yeah. and yeah. they can write or read or yeah. do some drawing mm. or anything, anything but television. Yeah. Mm. Do kids still have a torch under the duvet? <laughs> <laughs> no, they've got a light on their mobile phone. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they don't need the torch. <laughs> <laughs> I used to buy my grandchildren things like that and I said, what's that for? I said, for reading under the duvet, <laughs> <laughs> just for a laugh. They think it's funny, and they do. They read under the duvet because it's funny. <laughs> Does anybody remember the um, Boots used to have a library? Yeah. I was oh, just oh, speaking yeah. about that yes. the other day. And you could get an A subscription or a B subscription. And the A subscription, and you got a, like a, it was a long sort of rectangular like laminated uh, bookmark thing, you know. And the, 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 obviously the e-subscription is more expensive, but you, that, you, that entitled, you, entitled you to get newer books mm. or the B one, the, 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 you know, you got the older ones. But it used to be a kind of a Christmas present sometimes. My mother would get a, an e-subscription to the library and I'd be going in and getting the B books. It, it's, it's funny, it seems... Yeah. Yeah. People, I mentioned it the, the other day, Books Library. Yeah. It must have been during the war because my father wasn't there and my mother and my, my little sister and it was upstairs in Boots in Headington in Oxford near Oxford and uh, you were surprised yes, I wasn't it? Heard of it. Mm. And I've, ne I've never heard of it. Yes. Yeah. Well that was in the fifties, yeah. you know, because um, <coughs> it was in that was the one in Aberdeen and it was the first shop I ever went into that had what we used to call funny stairs. It was an escalator. Oh. Oh. Oh, yes. 
So well, that's quite far north. I was beginning to wonder when you said yeah. you didn't know about it. I wondered if it was just a southern, southern thing, but obviously it wasn't. I don't, it might be the type of well, area for how many local libraries. Yes. Well, well, no, in the 50s, where I grew up in Moss Side, yeah. there was about four or five uh, sweet shops, cigarettes. Yeah. They started uh, having their own little libraries. Oh, yes. Uh, I think it was six months to take one out, Yes. For juniors, and I think it was a shilling for grown ups. Yes. You got your shilling back when you took the book back on your sixpence. Yes. So if you didn't take it back, you lost your sixpence or your shilling. Yes. And it was about, I think it must have been about six shots. Mm. They were all paperbacks, man, yes. and yes. they were all second hand, obviously. Yes. What's, uh, I think Huddersfield had one called the Red Circle Library. I don't know. And I think that would be a shop, yeah, like you were yeah. saying, who sort of set up their own little library. I mean, where, where it came from, I don't know, because uh, this particular sweet shop was right across from where we lived. And I used to go over quite often, and then all of a sudden, these books were there. What's this? See, it went to the library. Take, you know, well, they didn't have to say it in my name, he knew me, but it's it, it, it six months if you want to borrow one. So he was not go back home, get six months and go. Martin, you'd have to start one of them under fish. Oh, yeah. He would have been well Well, thank you all very much for coming and talking about books and libraries and. Yeah.